Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, other sir. Good morning. How's it going? Great. Nice. We are fulfilling our contractually obligated demand that we have to have Adam Wathen on the podcast regularly. And so he's here. Nice. It fills the big gaping hole in my life from the podcast that I have totally neglected and no longer. You're just like, all right, I'm not potting anymore, pretty much. It's just getting harder and harder to find guests I was actually like excited about talking to and felt like a chore. And I just kept trying to find like a format that did feel like easy to do. And that still wasn't easy. Now I just don't do it. But I'm happy to be on this one. Nice. Well, it seems like you stopped when you stopped doing ads. Like once you didn't have the pressure of having to put it yeah, out. Yeah, that like... actually was a big part of it, um, for sure. Like having ads did f- light a fire under my ass to keep doing them. I don't know. Whatever. Had a good run. Ben, you were the last guest, right? Did you kill the podcast? Didn't Ryan Singer come on after me? I think DHH came on before you. And then uh, you came on. I think we talked about hiring people. Yeah. The very last episode, Ben Ornstein, how to stand out when applying for a job at a small company. Amazing. The end. Well, please don't ever interview anyone else. So yeah, you might have killed the show. But I did go. I randomly checked actually just the other day. That's why I knew that because... I was like, did I accidentally unsubscribe from Adam's podcast? I was like, what? I haven't seen an episode in a long time. And then I looked and sure enough, no apps. No episodes. It's been, I guess it's been since January and that's a while. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago (laughs) that I recorded the last episode for it. So Hmm. how's Tailwind Labs going? Tailwind Labs is good. Uh, Busy and trying to figure out how to make it feel not busy trying to figure out how to do lots of stuff while simultaneously not doing lots of stuff. It's hard. I would say like the biggest challenge right now is just figuring out how to know what to focus on and how to stay excited about it without having like shiny object syndrome and shiny objects aren't even exciting anymore. They're like, I want to be excited about that, but it's also just sounds like horrible maintenance debt burden to carry forever. So trying to figure out how to kind of just make the stuff we have better and reduce our ambitions so that the company can stay small and manageable and fun <laughs> because uh, it's already a lot of work to manage a small team as it is. How big is the team now? Seven people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're at eight if you include part-time people. Yeah. So. And does your life feel easy? To manage people? I would not say it feels easy, but it feels fairly manageable. <laughs> Management is manageable. Do you feel fairly. like you have a lot of time to like do real things? Not exactly. I feel yeah. more like I'm kind of a router um, of work and ideas and problems and things like that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I am sort of like monitoring a lot of channels of information and kind of filtering out noise and what's important and making sure the right people find out about things that are important to know about and things are prioritized and signals are cleaned up and formed into actionable projects and and stuff like that and that's it's actually all right i don't mind it it kind of feels like programming with people as your programming language instead of like code it is surprisingly hard to have as much time to just do real stuff as you think just lots of it's like there's lots of talking that has to happen (laughs) not even really meetings you know but just lots of like thinking and planning and strategizing and that stuff's fun but also hard and sometimes panic inducing when it feels like i just discovered a huge flaw in what i thought we were going to do for the next six months and I don't think it's a good idea anymore. And now I cannot sleep until <laughs> I have a new plan. <laughs> that happened to me last week. So really, but now it feels figured out. So oh, nice. Do you want to talk about what that thing is? Or is it too in the weeds? Uh, no, we could talk about it. it. It is a little bit in the weeds, but it is kind of related to the, the whole topic of like the kind of was touched on earlier about trying to do less almost. I don't know if I've ever talked about this with you guys or maybe we have and maybe we've even talked about it on the podcast, but I've always had this like idea in my head of doing this like Tailwind Plus kind of idea, which is like a big umbrella product for 
anything we ever wanted to make. Cause we always have these like fun ideas for like, oh, it'd be cool if we did like a bunch of like extra color palettes for Tailwind where we kind of curate them and you can just say, oh, I want my app to like look like this. Well, here's like what we think the primary color should be. Here's like the hues of grays that you should use that go well with it and blah, 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 blah. Or like doing a bunch more icons for heroicons or different styles or whatever. We also wanted to like explore doing like more traditional templates and themes. Like you might want to just spin up a landing page for a new course idea. And we would just have something that was like a great starting point ready to go built with Tailwind and easy to customize. So we wanted to do this like Tailwind Plus thing, which was going to be like this all access sort of pass, still probably like a one-time purchase thing where you just kind of get access to any cool premium Tailwind stuff we ever make in this like kind of special area. And now it's not just limited to like components like it is for Tailwind UI. It's really just, if we think of something cool, we will throw it in the treasure chest, you know? And I still think that's like really interesting in a lot of ways. In actually like trying to plan out how we're going to work on it, I realized that like we wanted to launch it with like three starter kits, we were calling them, which is kind of like what our lingo for themes was going to be, because I think it kind of spoke better to like, this is like a starting point for building your own site. It's not like the pre-finished skin that you just throw on top of your site or whatever. And I felt like we needed to launch that with like three of those for it to like feel like people would have the, a clear picture of what we were actually trying to do. I felt like each one of those is probably going to take at least five weeks or something of just ideation and design and then figuring out how to actually structure the code and running into God knows how many problems around like, oh, okay, well, how, how should we write this to be like a good starting point and to actually be like extensible and think about like all the different situations that someone might run into and that it's not going to be like, it's the right amount of opinionated, but not too opinionated, you know, <laughs> like when you're really trying to like design like a, almost like a framework for building a site in a specific style, it felt like a real rabbit hole. So it felt like to me, we were going to be like heads down on that till like April. And then I kind of felt like, okay, well, so we're going to work on that till April. We optimistically, I'd like to say we're going to still put out like new Tailwind UI updates between now and then, but I know that we're going to throw them in like the project plan and just like resent that part of the project plan the whole time. Cause it just feels like we need to get this other thing done, but we need to kind of just like keep churning out little updates to not feel like this thing is neglected. Yeah. That started to feel like maybe this isn't really <laughs> a good plan. Like maybe we're setting ourselves up for like too much work. Cause I feel like we're going to be really stressed trying to like stay on top of this stuff. And also what if we invest three months into these starter kits and we just feel like whatever we produce is just like, doesn't live up to our expectations in terms of you try to build a website with this and it just doesn't live up to the promise because it turns out it's like almost impossible to make it good enough to really feel like this like awesome framework for building something that's beautiful but also super customizable but like you're serving so many masters it just like seemed i still want to believe it could be done but it it felt like a risk you know and if it's a risk that the whole company is focused on for like four months neglecting everything else while being stressed that we're neglecting everything else. It's like, uh, is this really going to like make us happier <laughs> or is this going to feel like we've just like set the fucking building on fire, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for no reason when we have this other thing that's like super successful that customers really like. And we know that the simplest way to keep customers happy is to just keep adding new cool stuff to it and everyone will be totally happy and psyched. So I kind of had this like moment like last week where I just kind of a switch just flipped in my head and I was like, wow, this thing I've been excited about doing for like four months, all of a sudden I feel like maybe it's like a terrible idea and maybe is way too like big of a commitment and risk. And even like taking what is now Tailwind UI and branding it as like Tailwind Plus, like even if I think that sounds cool, will customers think that's cool? Does it sound too much like this abstract like membership club thing do people actually want that or do they just want to buy like ui components which one actually like maps closer to what people are looking for and it could turn out that it was a better thing to do but there's no evidence of that and there's lots of evidence that what we're doing now works <laughs> you know so it's like why take any of these risks but then at the same time it was like building out these starter kits felt like the things that we need to do to make the products that we make good right like find good ideas for tailwind ui components find 
good ideas for improvements to Tailwind itself, find good ideas for improvements to headless UI, find good ideas for new icons to design, stuff like that. And I felt like the easiest way to discover all of those was to build starter kits because they're these really like cool website ideas. Let's like design something really cool, build it to the best of our ability and just like really pay attention. And when we notice things that kind of suck and then kind of go the extra mile to make those better and all the sort of supporting frameworks. So that's easy, like make the change easy and make the easy change basically, you know what I mean? <laughs> For like web template design. So it felt kind of like disappointing to me to like give up on this 10 one plus idea and then feel like we're giving up that as well, because that does feel like the best way to discover improvements to make everywhere else. Just to, it felt like this really simple dog fooding strategy is like, don't know what to do, design a website and build it. You know, we will find something to pull out of that. That's useful for our customers. So that was like, I don't know, a big struggle trying to figure out what to do here because I had this idea I was excited about, but also started to feel like this big overcommitment, a big risk. But I also didn't want to lose this like dog fooding strategy. So what we've kind of landed on that I'm actually really excited about because it feels like it solves all the problems is just continuing to double down on Tailwind UI, but adding instead of calling them like starter kits where there's like this big promise about like, this is like a framework for building a website, just adding what we're going to call something like example projects or project examples, which is just like, here's a landing page that we built using things pulled from Tailwind UI, customized like to the nines to kind of demonstrate like that these patterns kind of, your site doesn't have to look like a Tailwind UI site, even if you use like the bones from Tailwind UI. So change the fonts, maybe play with the color palette, do whatever. Build out like a course landing page example or whatever. And then almost like included in the product as like a case study where it's like, you can download this as a zip file and play with it and learn from it. Use it as a starting point if you want, but we're not positioning it as a starting point. We're positioning it as like a demo of what you can do with the real product with a big write-up that's kind of like, here's the components that we used, here's the changes that we made and why we made them. And it's more of like an educational thing and a marketing thing even. Like the analogy that came to mind for me that like really made it feel like a good idea. I don't know if you guys have ever done any like music production stuff at all. There's a lot of companies that make like uh, stuff like drum samples or like keyboard samples and synths and stuff that you can download and buy and you just get like the raw sounds right so you might just get like a bunch of different individually recorded hits of different drums at different velocities and stuff like that and you kind of put that together to program like a drum track but the way that they sell you on that stuff is by giving you like a playlist of like full songs that you can listen to that were made with these samples and the songs aren't really useful to you but um they show you what's possible with like the underlying stuff. And if those companies were actually like to provide you with like the pro tools, like sessions for each one of those, that would actually be awesome because you could go in and see like what levels did they use for all these different things? Like what EQ stuff did they put on everything? And I can't use it really as a starting point for my song where I guess I could if I want the drums to just sound exactly like that. But it's a really interesting like educational opportunity. So I like the idea of being able to just provide these project examples as like a zip file you download it open it up learn from it pull out stuff you want if you do want to use stuff from that like we're not going to say you can't do that but we're not going to like position it as like that's what it's for because that puts us on the hook for some things that i don't think we want to be on the hook for <laughs> but then we still get to build all these example sites and pull all sorts of stuff out of it without the pressure of feeling like it has to live up to this crazy expectation that i'm like scared we wouldn't actually be able to get it to live up to so that felt like a win. It felt like a way to do what I wanted to do with like way lower stakes and way simplified. It's really just like a weird just shift of like the expectations around it, like a positioning thing. But um, it's nice that it doubles down on the thing that you're already doing that you know people like. It makes it more valuable. It's not like you won't feel like you're neglecting it. Yeah, exactly. So that's I'm excited about that. I feel like we kind of get everything we want out of it. One of the things that's hard with Tailwind UI is like we have this hard constraint of every example has to be like a single copy and pasteable code snippet, which I think is great. It makes it easy to grab something and play with it. But a lot of the times, like just those snippets have like a lot of duplicated parts in them. And we can't really create abstractions for you around that without breaking from that single template constraint. So we kind of have to just be like, okay, well, here's a form 
And yeah, there's like five inputs in it that look the same and the classes are duplicated on all five of them. That's not how we would do it in a real production app, but it's the right trade-off for giving you like a, a snippet that you can copy. I've always felt like self-conscious about that because I feel like, do people think that like, I think that's like the right way to ship this to production at the end of the day? Like, do people think I don't know how to build like a real componentized React app or something, you know? But the example projects kind of solve that problem because we can say like, yeah, we took this form layout, we broke it out into like these components, we kind of added these props because they made sense for this particular design or whatever. And, and each example project could, could kind of take different opinions on that and sort of demonstrate that there's various ways to do it. Like, oh, for this one, we integrated with Formic to do the forms because there's a lot of complicated stuff to do. But this landing page one, we didn't bother with that because there's just one input field. Like everything is kind of like this independent thing where this, all the decisions that you make only have to like make sense for that one example, which feels so liberating <laughs> compared to this like trying to design this like framework for building sites, which I, I guess I just almost don't believe is possible. Otherwise, like that's what Tailwind would have just been in the first place. You know, I believe that like Tailwind itself is like the right abstraction. Otherwise, I would have built it at a higher level of abstraction. So trying to like build something on top of it is really hard because uh, I would have done that in the first place if I thought that was actually the right way to go. So, but anyways, yeah, that was a hard thing and it's solved. I hope. Nice. These are the challenges of CEO life. High level stuff. I want to talk about shape up a bit because I keep seeing you tweet these things where you're like, you do a summary of the previous six weeks and list out these like million bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you're doing shaped pitches for folks. And you said to me that you feel like doing the shaping work every so often keeps you from having to continuously design stuff or like plan stuff or prioritize things. And you feel like that's like kind of help your sanity. So I wanted to kind of have like an experience report of like how you're doing shape up, like what, what your flavor of it is and like what the, the pros and cons have felt like. For me, it's helpful to kind of start from maybe what we did at the beginning, because I kind of naively tried to take the things that I thought made the most sense from like all the shape up stuff and kind of do it in like my own way, making changes that I thought would be improvements that ended up not being improvements so to me like the fundamental piece of it that i've i've always like really believed in since like my agency days you know is fixed time flexible scope is like a really powerful way to build things and actually get things done so instead of uh trying to estimate how long something's going to take and then just working on it until it's done like trying to figure out okay how much time is this worth to us like what can we invest in solving this problem and maybe that's like if we can solve this problem in two weeks like that's a good use of time if it's going to take more than that then that is basically going to cost too much time and resources to be like the right use of time and then just trying to solve the problem in, in that amount of time reducing the sort of fidelity on it as necessary to to basically to meet that goal right so that was the part that I always thought was like the most important part. And the thing that I tried to like pull out of it and apply at the very beginning when we first like brought on our first team member. And what that ended up feeling like was I would kind of figure out something we wanted to do. I would say, here's what we want to do. I want to have it done by this day. And we can sort of make adjustments to the, the scope of it as we go if necessary to, to meet that amount of time and that might mean it's like a one-week project and then after that was a two-week project and after that was a three-day project and after that was a three-week project and i very quickly started to feel like man i am just like getting things sort of organized like just just in time every single time and it's it's really stressful and it feels like i'm always like worried about like Oh, is Brad almost done that project? Crap. I have like two hours to like figure out something to do for him so he doesn't come in tomorrow with like no idea what he should be like focused on. And that was like super stressful. That's when I kind of realized that like the whole like six week cycle thing was like super, super valuable. Cause to me, I kind of figured that only made sense on like really big teams where you kind of want to just like coordinate all these different pieces moving together. So you have this like predictable schedule, whatever. When you're a team of like four or five people, like we were at the time, it just felt like, why can't we do a small project, then a big project, then a small project and, and whatever. And what was really helpful about moving to planning for like six weeks worth of time was 
it gets me to batch all the planning, right? So I just like sit down for a few days before the cycle starts and figure out what are all the things we want to do, write them up in as much detail as I think makes sense to provide, which is enough that everyone understands the problem and the goal and any constraints that they should know about or things that I've thought about and any important decisions I think should be made in advance, but not providing too much because I think work is way more fun when you have a lot of autonomy over the details of like how something's actually done and also way easier for me because then I don't have to figure all that stuff out. I batch all that planning up and put together like a cycle plan for, for six weeks. And then I don't have to think about planning again, really until six weeks later. And I think like the most surprising benefit aside from just like, okay, now I only have to plan every month and a half is that when you chop the whole year up into these six week cycles and we do like a six week kind of like project cycle and then like a two week cool down. So just like basically buy the book kind of shape up and the cool down is basically a time to just like take a break and react to anything that, that comes up based on the work that you shipped in the previous six weeks or get caught up on some GitHub issues or, you know, whatever, just more kind of staying on top of things work a little less like goal oriented the nice thing about chopping things up that way is it's basically like an eight week block and you only get six of those a year, which is crazy. Like that sounds like very few blocks of work per year. So when you know that you only basically get like six at bats per year and you can only really achieve six real goals per year, because like, yeah, we do like some, a lot of time we'll do multiple projects in a cycle, smaller projects, but every cycle still kind of feels like it has like that one that was the really important one when you know you only have six of those per year um it's really focusing <laughs> because before when i was just kind of like planning a, a week of work then two weeks of work then another week of work then another three weeks of work i'd always felt like ah i know we really want to do this like tailwind ui like e-commerce thing but i don't really have time to like figure that all out right now so i'm just going to give brad like a smaller one week project and i'll think about that and, and we'll squeeze that in like maybe in like two months or something and then two months will go by and you'll be like oh crap i'm still just like handing out one or two week projects at a time and i still haven't thought about this. And now this thing that I thought was really important to get done this year has sort of like accidentally been pushed way farther out because I just like didn't really like appreciate how easy it was going to be to just like let it keep slipping away. But when you know it's like, okay, I only get six of these per year. A lot of the time I'm thinking like three or four cycles ahead now and just trying to say like, what is like the big thing I would like to have done by like next summer? Because like next summer is like two cycles away or three cycles away. Like we just started our cycle this week on Monday. And when I was writing it up, I realized like this is the last fucking batch of work we're going to do before Christmas, you know? So I have to make sure that anything I wanted to get done by the end of the year is like in this bucket of work or it's not going to get done by the end of the year. So that's been like super helpful. I feel like that's like those things you can put on your wall where you like sort of like check off how many months of your life you've already lived and so you sort of see like, okay, there's only like a hundred more circles or something. And like, it just like visualizes like, yo, time is finite and it's passing and you're going to have to do the things you want in this time, in this block over here. I think I've suffered because of a lack of this, where it's like, we have a couple big things that people ask us for, like more than three people on a call, for example, which is like this like kind of massive, scary project. And we always just kind of keep pushing it back a little bit and just pushing it, just it back. It just like kind of drifts a little bit because it totally it's like, drifts. Uh, let's just kind of fill the current time with things that are a little bit easier. And next thing you know, it's like been 18 months since like you first thought it was a priority and you still haven't done it. Totally. And like we've chipped away at like supporting work or like we've done actually a lot of work that will make that eventual project easier. So it's not totally neglected, but that stare your constraints in the face and then decide like, what do you want to get done before Christmas? What do you want to get done next year? If there's only six major things that are going to happen, what needs to be on that list and what, and yeah. That's, yeah. Like that. and, and even framing it sort of from a slightly different perspective, which is like, okay, looking at like next June, if this still wasn't done by then, would that feel like a huge problem? You know, because if so, then like you need to fit it into like the next three buckets of work. It's got to go in one of those, you know, it really, makes it clear when something needs to actually like be put on the calendar as soon as like we started working this way like 
It feels like we just have accomplished a lot of really big, important stuff. It just kind of falls out of the the process because you don't want to like plan like six weeks is a good amount of time because it's like it's not like so long that you you end up like putting something in there where you kind of like don't make a lot of progress in the beginning and you see the deadline coming up at the end and it's like oh crap you know it's like the essay that you had to get done in high school or something that you do in, on, at the last minute it's like enough time that like you can feel the pressure to kind of get it done from the beginning. But it's also not short enough that you can kind of think, oh, well, if we do it next cycle, it's not a big problem. It's like it cuts the year up into these like big chunks. It feels really wrong to like not have at least one very meaningful goal in in every cycle. If If you have one cycle where you're just like fixing some bugs or not kind of doing anything that's really pushes things forward or is like really like some some milestone you know what i mean that's like well that's one out of six chances you had this year to do something you know it's been really good what does for you your cycle planning process look like like how do you because you you seemingly have to like gain a certain level of confidence around like this is how I want to use one of these slices of the year. And I feel pretty confident enough to say, like, put the stake in the ground and say, this is what we're going to do. That's something I struggle with, like having that much confidence to know that, like, this is really all we're going to focus on in this kind of what feels like a long period of time. Um, For me, I'm kind of always kind of doing it a little bit. It's always kind of rolling around in the back of my mind. I have like a private Trello board where I kind of keep track of stuff that I think we should do that I don't kind of make a company thing because I it's not like final it's not like a real backlog it's just I feel like if you if you kind of like put a year's worth of work like out in the open it kind of just makes you take it too seriously like I, I like that we're making decisions about what to work on multiple times a year um, for like shortish periods of time. Right. Um, but I have like, yeah, this big kind of list of stuff where anytime I have an idea for something that seems like, uh, eh, that's something that I should, I should consider next time I'm kind of batching up some work, I'll throw it in there. And I'll also kind of keep, I have like columns in Trello for like future cycles with like the dates on them. So like this cycle is like October 18th to November 26th. The next one is whatever, whatever. And I have those out until like the end of next year. So I can like visualize like how many columns of work we can, we can do. And I like having like a bit of a vision for the future for like, just to put my own mind at ease. So like the tailwind plus thing was like the thing that I kind of had in there up until about April, you know, I kind of had like a little placeholder card there that was like launch 10 one plus. And that was kind of like the goal. And it's not like thought through and broken down in real projects, but kind of in terms of like Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 sort of goals, I sort of have that, that in place. I usually do the actual cycle planning just like in the, in the sort of two weeks before the, the cycle starts. Now in terms of like how to how I know when something's like the right thing to work on. I don't know that I have any like specific advice other than you kind of have to pick something to work on. (laughs) And if you don't, I worry that you're, you end up just like spreading yourself across too many things and pausing on something before it's done to like jump on something else. And then a bunch of stuff is just like in motion and not actually getting finished. I'm trying to think like, in terms of examples of like how we kind of have broken stuff up recently, like maybe thinking about what some of these like big goals were helps inform like the type of things we're thinking about, like going back to like earlier this year. So it looks like the cycle that ended in April is when we launched like react and view support for Tailwind UI. Right. So that was like the big thing we knew the customers really wanted that. So we did that. And then the cycle after that, we knew the next big thing we wanted to do this was this Tone UI e-commerce launch, but we knew we couldn't get it done in a one six-week cycle. So we kind of split it up. So the first cycle, the design guys were focused on trying to ideate on every possible pattern and idea and design that they, they could find. And they worked on that the whole time while the rest of the team kind of just worked on improvements to the open source stuff. Like the the real 
important deliverable at the end of that cycle was like a really concrete design plan for like what we were going to build in the e-commerce stuff. And then the next cycle was building all that stuff out basically and shipping the actual project. And then the cycle after that, again, it was kind of like a big design project actually, which was like redesigning. Well, it's two things. It was redesigning the Tailwind CSS website because we're doing Tailwind 3 and uh, we kind of wanted like a new fresh kind of design to go with that. And then also shipping a Tailwind 3 alpha. So we had the kind of the engineering team working on that alpha release for six weeks and the design team working on the designs for six weeks. And now this cycle, we're shipping Tailwind 3 at the end of the cycle. So we're going to do a couple more alphas, add a couple more features, fix some bugs, build out the new website and and stuff like that. So like the big things, like the whole year basically been like React and Vue support, then the e-commerce thing, which was two cycles, but we kind of tried to figure out how we could have a deliverable for each one. Then the alpha for Tailwind 3, then the release of Tailwind 3. And then we only have like three weeks before Christmas. So I think we're not really going to make any real plans there other than to just work on things that are interesting and make minor improvements and stuff to a bunch of different things. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about this and I'm like just, I'm flashing back to like, you writing a book about collections and like being like deep in the code and like here's how to write better code and like being a programmer and like live streaming coding and stuff i know and and your life that's it's just so different it's crazy i do still code a lot though like at the in in between cycles i definitely feel like my days are very much okay i need a plan i need a plan i need a plan but um, the nice thing about like putting that six-week plan into place is I don't really need to provide a lot of direction after that. Like there is a, some day-to-day sort of like check-ins here and there. People might be have a question or I might discover something that we got to dump into Basecamp or something to keep track of. But like there's multiple people on the team who really just kind of like to work independently and have enough direction at the beginning of the cycle where I might not like do a call with them for two and a half or three weeks, you know? I still like assign work to myself in the cycle plan. Like we're working on this big update to like the Tailwind typography plugin and adding a bunch of new features to that to kind of go along with the 3.0 launch. And that's basically me. I've been working on improving these APIs and making it work and whatever. Once we switched to like the six week thing, I felt like I had a lot more time to code than I did before because before it was just like, okay, someone's on a project, I have to plan the next project as fast as I can before they finish this one. So it was just like this moving target all the time, which was brutal. But now it feels a lot calmer and uh, that I have more time to code. Lately, I feel like I've spent a lot of my time being involved more in the design projects, but still like really doing real, just IC work, (laughs) you know, sitting on a call with Steve and just thinking about uh, how should we like lay out this documentation page and playing with like different ideas and basically a a backseat designer you know what i mean because if you give me the actual figma tools it's going to look like crap but uh working together we usually come up with some some good stuff so Hmm. i mean that's that sounds like a nice extra benefit of batching your planning is then your time is freed up and you're not interrupted as much to do that sort of work you could get into deeper work yeah that has been a huge benefit for sure so like you and i are leading teams where i think this is probably extra beneficial but i'm also thinking about derek where i think even if you are just forced to say okay i have six eight week cycles in a year what are the six big things i'm shipping for savvy cal this in the next year that seems really useful just to get in that mindset and like force yourself to prioritize it's terrifying and useful If I was to put myself in your shoes, I would worry that like six weeks almost sounds like too much time, right? Because you're kind of in this like super fast moving scrappy phase where you're able to like put out a new feature in like two weeks sort of thing a lot of time, right? Or sometimes probably even less. But at the same time, if you knew that like you were going to have basically effectively like six very like blog post worthy feature launches for the year... That's like way more than like every other company achieves. Yep, <laughs> you know what true. I mean? Yep, yep. Um, like, like if even if Tuple did that, like that would be huge. If you had like six things like worth blogging about that felt like big announcements, like that is a lot of stuff. 
And the fact that it can feel like a lot of stuff while also each cycle feeling like a lot of time, that sounds like awesome that that can both, those can both be true, <laughs> you know? I've kind of naturally done this with different products in the past with Drip. I, we, we, when we talk about like the progress that that app made, we think of it in terms of like major versions that it went through. Like when Drip 2.0 came out and then Drip 3.0 was, 2.0 was like first like automation rules, 3.0 was workflows. And I, I feel like that's kind of a, an interesting way to frame thinking about it. Like, yeah, if I, if there were six or maybe realistically three opportunities in a year to think of this as like the next major version of the product, because the changes have been so meaningful that it, that it warrants that. And that's kind of a, that's a marketable event, you know, like blog post worthy product hunt launch worthy, whatever, however you want to like boost it. Yeah. As you're talking this through, like I, I do feel there are a number of projects that are going to be like multi-week projects that I have been continually kicking down the line. So it's like the way I'm working right now does sort of bias me towards bite-sized things, which, and I can sometimes build a surprising amount of product in a bite-sized amount of time, but then there are some things that just don't fit in that. And those just keep getting, keep getting delayed. Yeah. I think the bite-sized stuff though is like super important too, because the problem with just always doing like super high priority stuff all the time is there's all this other stuff that like people would be really happy about. That's like always like seventh on the list that just never gets done otherwise. And that feels like crappy. So for us, like we have the two week cooldown, which is a good time to kind of bite off like little improvements like that. Like I implemented dark mode for the type power root plugin then because like it was, it was the GitHub issue with like the most comments on it. You know what I mean? On our list. I'm like, this is not that important compared to like these other commercial things or big tail and improvements that we have to make, but that's going to like make a lot of people happy. And I can actually probably do that in like a day or two. So kind of like time boxing out time where it's like you have permission to work on bite-sized stuff here even if it's not the most important stuff has been really helpful and we actually kind of do that on fridays too so we kind of are very focused on project work monday through thursday and a lot of people on the team do still end up working on that stuff on friday but there is like an understanding of like if there's some GitHub issue that's stressing you out that you really want to get to or some other stuff you want to get caught up on. Like Fridays are understood to be very much flexible, you know, and some people are just like, I just want to keep working on this website design because it's like really fun and that's what I want to keep working on. So they'll, they'll do that. And we started that mostly because we wanted to stay on top of GitHub issues because that was like really stressing me out. And I, I feel like I still don't have a good solution for that. We've put a bunch of things in place to try and like funnel more of those things into GitHub discussions, like making sure on the issue template page, bug report is like the third item and help is like the first one, which goes to like a, a GitHub discussion. So the volume of GitHub issues has gone down a lot. In that case, we I've just been trying to learn to accept the fact that you can't keep up with stuff like that. You just have to like let the sea take you sometimes, you know what I mean? And just accept that that is like a, yeah, whatever. You can't, can't actually stay on top of it and still get the things done that you, you want to get done because you have no control over what shows up in that inbox. In a given cycle for, for most people, is it just the one big thing you're hoping for them to ship or are you throwing other stuff in there? If you know, well, it's usually like, it's usually many things, honestly. And sometimes things like don't get done, you know, like certain things are not as important as other things. I can say for this cycle, for example, right? Like, so finalize and release Tailwind CSS 3.0 is like the first thing in the list. And I have like me, Brad, Robin, and Jonathan are all kind of like listed as like people who should be concerned about this. And then I put a budget next to it for like the number of weeks I expect us for this to be a priority. And I have that as six weeks. So this is like, I expect this to be something we're prioritizing like the, the entire cycle. That doesn't mean all four of those people are going to be working on it that, enti that entire time because that just isn't how it ends up needing to be. Uh, finishing off the like typography plugin customization API, I have that as like, let's give ourselves one week to do that. Like if, if we spend three weeks on that, we're not going to get done the more important things that we need to get done. But I have like me, Robin, and Jonathan listed there. So Brad on our team doesn't have to think about that, for example. 
build the new Tailwind website. So that's mostly Brad and the design team. And that's like six weeks, you know, which is just kind of like a signal of like, we expect this to be the big thing, this cycle and anything else kind of choose into it. So you can see there already, like Brad's already assigned to two six week projects, you know, which isn't really possible, but it kind of is because like he doesn't have to spend his entire six weeks on those, on those things. Uh, me and Jonathan are going to like refresh the Tailwind CSS documentation. So we have to actually do all the updates to the docs for the content since a bunch of stuff in Tailwind 3 is is different than Tailwind 2. Like mostly because it's like just in time engine kind of like lets us delete a bunch of documentation for stuff that you don't need to configure and stuff anymore. So that's like my biggest focus. So I have that as like a six week thing for me. Then we have like updating the Tailwind like REPL, like the Tailwind play thing, just like making the branding match kind of like the updated design like one week, you know, again, it's more mostly just a signal to say like, we should get this in there, but let's not overthink it or spend too much time on it. Are you just kind of ad hoc shifting between those like six week got to get done things and the the one week shorter things like when it feels right or when you want to break or something? I shift between it more than other people on the team. I think most people on the team are generally doing, getting one thing done and then doing the next thing for some things where it's like a six week project like brad's building out the new website he might find have a natural stopping point where it's like i built out the whole new home page but i know james and steve still have like some finishing touches to make to the actual inner documentation pages and i could start building that stuff out right now but there's like this other one week thing i'll just like bang that out and then come back to that when they've had time to kind of finish up their end of it you know so it's like a box where things can kind of shift around and there's a lot of motion happening in there, but generally like we all try to get stuff done before moving on to other things. Like we don't want loose ends. And a lot of time we like ship things mid cycle too. Like if, if this wasn't like a V3 cycle where like this typography update, for example, doesn't make sense to release it until like V3 is released. Cause they kind of depend on features that each other offer. But if we were just making that update, and all the features we needed already existed in Tailwind, like I would probably ship that like the end of next week, even though the cycle doesn't end until the end of November. So we might have like three releases throughout throughout the cycle. And then like the other stuff we had is like a, some ideas for some new YouTube content that Simon would be working on, who does like our YouTube channel stuff. Uh, resolving all the open Tailwind UI issues, there was like 17 of them at the beginning of the cycle which was monday and now we're down to four that was just something that was never getting prioritized and it was kind of like nagging at us so like let's just like put that as a thing that is the goal so it gets done and then doing a small tailwind ui update um because we haven't done one since august with just finishing some stuff that was already started a couple cycles ago that didn't make it out because it was more important to get like the e-commerce stuff done so there's a big mix of stuff in there and some of it is like there's an understanding of what's more important than other stuff. Like definitely the big thing is like Tailwind 3 and the updated docs. Like that's the only thing that happens a cycle that's disappointing, but okay. <laughs> but if we get a bunch of other less important stuff done and that stuff doesn't get done, that's like a problem. But I, I've also found it's just important to have, to almost overfill them a, a little bit because people like having a clear sense of what they should be doing with their time which makes sense to me when I think about what I was like as an employee, but as a manager doesn't always feel intuitive. Like I feel like don't people want like maximum freedom to just like pick something interesting and work on it on their own. And maybe some people are like that. And I'd like to believe that even I'm like that. But when I think about like real times where I've had a job working somewhere, that would just like be panic inducing for me because I don't know like what the the leadership team thinks is like a high value thing to work on. Like I would much rather have like some guardrails put in place to know, like if you got some spare time and want to look at something, here's like a handful of things that would all be great things to look at. So definitely like most cycles we get every single thing done, but some cycles there's definitely like a less important project that just like gets kicked out because it's just like, that wasn't that important anyway. And other stuff took more time or we wanted to go the extra mile on something. So even like the cycle plans are definitely like not rigid, you know, like they're not, it doesn't mean that if like a real important opportunity comes up or an emergency comes up that you're not going to, not going to change things, but it's at least a default plan. You know what I mean? You mentioned at the beginning of us recording that you're feeling like things are feeling busy. Do you feel like that's kind of self-imposed based on the level of ambition that 
that you set out for a given cycle? Honestly, it, right now it doesn't actually feel that busy. Like I'm still recovering from a little bit of the busyness of getting out like the e-commerce release. And I feel like a little bit like pulled in multiple directions right now because I'm working on like documentation, but also like trying to keep my eye on where we're at with like the, the Tailwind 3 kind of final polishing details and stuff like that. And there's always an infinite to long to-do list of things that like could be could be getting worked on right but I, I don't really feel like under pressure let's put it that way to like oh i gotta work 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 all day try try and get this stuff done and i like to believe that most people on the team don't feel like that either like in our one-on-ones i like i almost always ask like what are you stressed about at work right now and the most common answer is uh nothing <laughs> you know which is which is great Figuring out the right amount of stuff to put in, in the cycles is hard. Like one thing that we did this cycle a little bit different than in previous cycles is I had like a dedicated section called like R&D time where it's like this stuff is like not important um, and I'm trying to bucket it as like not important, but it's stuff that you can feel really confident about working on if you are blocked on something or you're kind of finished your thing and not needed on something till another time or we're kind of spread across a bunch of time zones too right so if people are collaborating there's a lot of times where like half my day might be free because the most important thing for me to be doing i need to collaborate with someone in a time zone five hours away so we we kind of collaborate for half the day but the other half the day i'm not going to really work on that project because i want to work on it with the other person on the team so i'm going to fill that with with something else so something I've like wanted to do more of, which is this is a kind of the first stab at that, is like deliberately leave kind of free time or like un unscheduled time or under book individual people. Like I think we put a lot of stuff in the cycle, but when I really think like, is there enough here for this person to stay busy for eight hours a day every single day? There's usually not, but it's a balance because it's like, I want to have room to to react to opportunities or bugs or whatever without throwing off the whole plan. But then you also need like people to feel like they aren't just like pissing away their day because I think that's one of the most stressful, frustrating things. Like I think it's more stressful not knowing what to work on than to be busy with clear stuff to work on. Basecamp did like a podcast the other day where they were talking about some book, this like book called Slack about deliberately not trying to be like super efficient and I think like the key takeaway is that if someone's time is like fully booked, then they're, like they're not available to do anything. Like the opposite of being busy is like not being not busy. It's being available, you know, which was a powerful insight to me because I really like feeling like if something comes up that I think we need to jump on that I can bring that up with someone and they feel like they can fit that in without feeling like it's like, ah, for fuck's sake, I have all this other shit to do and you're stressing me out here because I need to get this done by this day or whatever. I need to play those games with myself even. Even though I'm the decision maker, like the way I manage my time is like I like a wide open schedule. Some people are like, I want to budget every single minute of my day so that I keep control of it. And for me, it's like the best thing in the world is when I wake up and see that I have no events on my calendar. Yeah, totally. It's just like the day is wide open for me to do my best work. And I worry that sometimes if I over plan too rigidly, then like if something comes up where I'm like, I want to see this opportunity, then I will start to like, there's dissonance that I create with myself because it's like, well, I said I I committed to myself that I was going to do this one thing. And now I want to take advantage of this other thing. And I feel bad about it or feel like I'm deviating from the plan. But maybe the way around that is just to factor in, give yourself the ability to deviate from the plan a little bit. I feel like it, it it ties back to that whole like six things a year thing too, right? Because it's like, say you have these six week cycles and you can only fit six of them into a year and you only get six major things done that year. But say each one of the things that you plan for those cycles is only like a two week thing. So four weeks of every cycle is free. That is a bunch of time that you can use to do other stuff. And if you literally did nothing, you could still look back at the year and be like, we killed it this year because we got these big major six things out, you know? So that's been like helpful for me even just to like recognize that if you get one important thing done every week, that's like 52 important things done a year. 
so it's okay to to not fill every single minute of every of every single day as long as you're kind of prioritizing things properly and making sure you're getting something meaningful done because i think like the natural tendency is like we've talked about a little bit it's kind of just like pick off the stuff that's like not that important and, and stay busy and by the end of the week it's easy to feel like what did i do this week that was important nothing but i felt like i was busy the the whole time that's how this week feels to me actually though <laughs> i feel like i haven't got much important stuff done wow. this week yet are you saying this but, podcast uh, isn't important well, this is the big one. This is okay, good. this is the really big one. This is all I'm doing for this six weeks. What we do too is like we use those like automatic check-ins at base camp, which have been like really good forcing functions for making you think about what's important. Uh, so at the beginning of the week, everyone has to kind of answer like, what are you working on this week? And I kind of actually want to tweak that to be like, what do you want to achieve this week? You know, to make it even more clear where it's like, what do I want to get done this week? And it, you don't have to list five days worth of stuff, you know, but like at least it forces you to just identify for yourself. Like if I was only going to get one thing done this week, like what would I have to get done for this week to at least feel like a, a success? And sometimes it's hard to, to fill that question out, you know, like sometimes that you want to push it off because it's like, I'm, I feel like there's a bunch of different things to do here, but like the exercise of prioritizing that or really like defining what the focus should be feels like a chore. And that's like a signal that it's really important to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess like the only other thing for us is we don't follow like a super, super, super rigid process. Like it's kind of outlined in the book where there's like a shaping track and like a building track and people writing up pitches and then like a betting table where everyone kind of decides. Like I think that level of formality is helpful to probably read about and can be helpful at companies of certain sizes or whatever. But I think you can kind of capture the, the spirit of things without going that hyper formal, you know, for us, it's more just like the important things are budgets instead of estimates, you know, so deadlines and flexing scope instead of just letting projects go on forever, planning things in big buckets of time so that you aren't planning constantly and also are forced to appreciate that if you don't put something important into the cycle, that's like one out of six important things that isn't going to get done this year. And I think that's kind of it, honestly. Like th th that's the only two things that we really treat as law, you know, like we, we do the planning almost like throughout the cycle. Like me and Steve might just find ourselves on a call working on like a design and I'll just kind of mention I've been thinking about something and we'll hop in Trello and spend like an hour just kind of like moving some things around or, or thinking about things. And by the time we get close to when the next cycle starts, that Trello list of ideas is pretty prioritized already because we're just kind of dragging things up. It's like, oh, you know what, this would be kind of good to get done sooner rather than later. So like from top to bottom, it's usually pretty prioritized just on on the go. But we definitely don't stick to like super rigid stuff. Like I've seen people ask me questions on Twitter and stuff about that. They you know, like, what size is the bedding table that you guys use? Did you buy it at this uh, store or, or this store? <laughs> you know, it's really easy to get obsessed with like some of these details. Like yeah. how many hue lights do you have in your office? And do you find it increases your productivity or decreases your productivity? You know, it's a little easy to kind of procrastinate on the important stuff by focusing on some of that crap. So yeah, for us, like those super formal processes haven't really been things that we've used. I want to like incorporate getting more input from like other people on the team more because I don't think we do quite enough of that because it always kind of feels like super clear to me what the most important thing to get done next is. But I think we're getting to a point where just like the amount of time that people have been on the team and the amount of ownership that they have over certain areas of the business that it's getting to a point where many people know more about like what the fires are on different projects than I do, which is good. Like that's kind of where I want to get things to. So I think we're going to have to start doing some more of that. And I actually just like did some reorganizing of our like project management stuff yesterday so that there's a space where people can sort of pitch ideas for the next cycle before we we actually plan it so we'll see if that solicits more 
more input. But that whole problem is is tricky because I I don't think people always want as much input as like you feel like you should be giving people. I think for a lot of people, it can actually be stressful to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm expected to come up with three good ideas for projects that are going to move the business forward this cycle. But, uh, actually I just want to fucking write JavaScript. So someone just tell me what the important thing to work on is, you know, it's tough to find the right balance between like giving people sort of autonomy and ownership and the ability to provide input and also not just like giving them responsibility they don't actually want to have. <laughs> I don't know if that's an issue for you guys or not, Ben. TBD, I guess. That does, doesn't, I, don't, yeah. I don't think so, but... You're, are you three full-time engineers now? Yes. Yeah. And then like more part-time. Joel writes code and pairs with someone part-time and so it's kind of like more engineers than that, but not full-time. And what's your process look like currently? When do you decide what to work on and how long to work on it for? Yeah, so we've been doing a monthly like product meeting to talk about what the next few weeks will be. It's been kind of too casual, I would say, or a little bit too like on the fly. Like who who thinks we should do this? Or like anybody have suggestions for that? I think we've suffered a bit because of it, which is why I was like asking you about shape up is because I, I think there is a missing step of like more premeditation and considering the year or considering the big things that will ship. Cause it's like when it's a monthly thing, it's a little bit hard to like slot in like, okay, and this month we're going to do this large, scary project. It's like, that doesn't feel like quite long enough. And we have to really think about it first. And so I think we have occasionally just kind of been like, Oh, well like let's do some refactoring work over on the audio code. Or like, yeah, it's tough too because that stuff's important too, right? Like, for a product like Tuple, especially, like, a lot of people probably would be happy if you never added a new feature, but just like the call quality always got better and the reliability got better and all that stuff. I have good um, news about our next release then. Nice. Yeah. I guess, like, from an outsider's perspective, it feels to me like two of the big projects at Tuple or big things that would be awesome to get in there is like the more than three people calls that feels like big feature and the Linux client, right? To me, those feel like the big initiatives from the outside anyways. What's a date that would be like disappointingly too late to release those, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so Linux is happening pretty imminently. Like I'm this week getting a list of people together to put in like the, the earliest cohort of the alpha. We're targeting like November 1st for that. So later than this year would be disappointing for for Linux. And then like a proper Linux release? Like Yeah. I haven't quite figured out what the actual like when does it get to like general availability. But probably this year, I would say. Hopefully. Depends on how the alpha goes. Like we might go, oh my gosh, turns out there's just like like in the wild, there's a million more bugs yeah, than we thought. Sure. Like it's, Linux it's always, is scary because there's all so many flavors and I've been thinking about like, okay, like how do I shape Linux as an idea into like a six week or like batch of work where it's just kind of like, we are going to be discovering the contours of this in a way that might be really hard to plan out ahead of time. If you think about it from like a budgeting perspective, right? It's helpful to not necessarily think about just like the next six weeks, but more just like if this was going to be the engineering team's kind of like main focus aside from kind of taking some breaks to respond to bugs from customers and make improvements here and there. Like how much time would be too long to spend on it? You know, if it was like five years before we can release a Linux client, that kind of feels like probably we should just stick to Mac and <laughs> yes. find a yeah. better use of those five years. But if you can say like, we think it's worth spending the next six months on this, then it feels like maybe you can work backwards a bit from there. I mean, you guys are already close to releasing it at this point. So like that particular project, it's not... Yep. Adding more people to calls is, a, is my classic example of the thing that we just keep pushing back and it's like scary. But I think we've we put enough of the pieces in place that like in the first half of next year, that feels feasible to me to do. To me, it would be very sad if like 2022 went by and that didn't go out. That just seems like super... That seems super bad and earlier better than later assuming we're not like totally reeling from the complexity of linux maybe that's like a helpful thing to just say okay well if we want to get this done by july 1st or whatever how do we make sure that we 
actually allocate time to make sure that it gets gets done by then and figure out like what is a what is a six week milestone for for that which it feels like a nice way of taking a thing that feels kind of overwhelming and saying like if we did want to ship it on this date what really actually needs to happen between here and between now and then and then the scary sort of amorphous pile of work becomes like okay like concretely there are these things the output of a cycle too could even just be like a much more de-risked plan you know what i mean like i think you've talked before about like some projects at tuple that have felt kind of like oh my god this sounds like so hard and spencer one day was just like i'm just gonna like open up my laptop and try and see what happens and then like 48 hours later he has like a working proof of concept and it's like actually so now i know like a lot about this problem (laughs) (laughs) and uh Yes. It doesn't sound as stressful anymore. Like it's still a lot of work, but like I have a very clear understanding of the pieces and what actually needs to happen. Like I fall into that trap so often of just like thinking about the problem and trying to come up with how to approach it when like just doing it is so much more informative, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was me with CalDAV integration for calendars. I just had this in my mind. This is going to be the most difficult nasty thing i ever do and then i think i like started it on a plane ride once i was like okay i'm just gonna like deep dive on the spec and then like go google a bunch of stuff and i developed this you know list of like 30 different articles all kind of piecing together how like the icloud caldav server works and just like hack together a prototype and that was like what i needed to break through and it actually didn't take that much time in the end because I did a really intense, like, short window of time where I just dove really deep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to feel like you can kind of decide up front, like, I'm going to spend a week on this to learn about it. And if there's no output from it, like, if it's a waste, that's fine. Because, like, that feels better than, like, having it roll around in the back of my head for, like, six months as we put it off and stress about it until one day feeling like you have this perfect abstract plan for tackling it or, or yeah. whatever, right? I also just feel um, like psych- psychologically or culturally, like it's it's important that we are an organization that is taking the things customers really want and is shipping them regularly. Even when we look at it and go, oof, that looks kind of intimidating or like we're worried about this or what if this isn't fun over here? It's just like, that's this is this is the game. And to be a great product and to have a great company, I think we have to like just constantly be knocking these things off, like sort the list by priority, hit the first three and like get them done, get them out the door, whatever it takes. Otherwise, we just, you know, you get beaten by somebody else or like people are just not as happy with the product as they could be. We're not living up to where we could go. Just doesn't doesn't feel good at all. Yeah. And I think for those sorts of projects you should use tuples so that people on your team can pair on them. So it feels less overwhelming and uh, intimidating. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, we, uh, we do that a lot. We, there's a, there's a lot of pairing happening on the, on the tuple team. I'd say most code that's written on the, in the app is paired on. Yeah. That is something I am grateful that we get to do a lot of here. And I was thinking a bit more about like, if we are going to hire like another developer, one of the str- most stressful things about it for me is like filling that person's plate. Right. And because that feels like more work for me but I had kind of like a bit of a breakthrough a couple of weeks ago thinking about that, which was like, if we just like hired another developer or even another two developers and just scheduled the exact same amount of work, but just had people pair on yeah. things. Yeah. That's like the default easy way to keep people kind of allocated, you know? <laughs> and, and if you really do have some cool opportunity that comes up that you want to work on, outside of the plan you have people who can jump off stuff and 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 do that even though i do think everything's better quality if it's just paired on the whole time i don't know that felt like an interesting realization to me that like if i feel like it would be helpful to have some extra people on the team but i'm scared of like knowing what to give them just have them work together (laughs) you know what i mean a friend's company like they mob program on everything every single client project has three developers not two and every single feature is worked on by three people and they never split up to do separate work for a client ever and the whole company runs this way and it's like 60 people then if someone's on vacation like the two people still get to at least pair you know what i mean 
I think the other thing is like, you know, you know this, of course, like every, we, anyone who's got experience of pairing knows that the code quality is like substantially better. It just saves a lot of time on things like code review. If you can get like two people to agree that this was a good solution to a problem, it's probably good enough. If you can get three people to agree, it's like almost definitely good enough. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. Um, Plus the knowledge sharing happening across the big team. time. Like we Super don't have huge. enough of that, honestly, because we have aside from like the leadership kind of people on a team two like full time hardcore engineers on the team who very much have like their sort of things that they know better than anybody else. And I wish we had more cross training, like across some of that stuff. And this feels kind of like a, an easy way to get that. So yeah, hiring is a topic that's on my mind lately too, but we'll see. It's so also hard. very, hard, very, I find very, it so draining. very hard. Yeah. I find it not really tough. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm, I might be, I might have a little good news on that front soonish. So fingers crossed. Nice. I think we should wrap here. Yeah. Sounds good. It's been a good chat with you, as always. Yeah, good catching up. Hopefully some interesting tidbits there for anyone who's trying to figure out the best way to run their projects. And uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Uh, notes of the show? Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.